guests and other listeners. Welcome to the latest edition of the Morris Association of St. Marcel and Champagne's podcast. I'm Tracy Dublay from the membership team, and today we present the second of our series of readings from the Association's Christ Life publication. We don't have every article or reflection, so to read the full edition and to watch the Meta Marist video from Father Tony Clark this month, go to the Association website, maristassociation.org.au, and go to the News menu tab or scroll down the home page to the latest news. This is the May 2023 edition, and again I thank the people who generously agreed to read their own contributions. They'll let you know who they are as they begin each reading. And before we do begin, a reminder to all members of the association to please get in touch if you change your workplace or school or email address and either you're remaining in your um, own local group or you want to join in with another. So please email marist.association at marists.org.au. Now to events. The midwinter retreat at the Hermitage Minigong runs from the 5th to the 7th of July and is facilitated by Father Michael Casey, OCSO. This is a living retreat offering a time of insight and renewal, reflection and spiritual reading on the theme of discipleship. To register, go to the Association homepage and scroll down to Formation Resources. Another annual event is the moment of renewal for all Morris Association members. Traditionally, we mark the occasion of Champagne Day with the renewal of our call to be members of the Association in a prayerful and reflective way. To access the video and commitment card resources, again, go to the Association website and it's on the homepage. Okay, everyone, grab a cuppa, settle into your seats and let's go. Hi, everyone. My name is Jasmine Brown. I'm a Morris Association counsellor, and this is an editorial for the May 2023 edition of Christ Life, the Year of the Pilgrim. In January, I nominated to write May's editorial with my thought that I would have just returned from our Morris pilgrimage. How presumptuous of this novice pilgrim, assuming that only two weeks post, I would be able to put into words the experience of encounters. Because as I sit here to write, I know that some experiences I will never be able to put onto paper. They will remain only ever as a feeling, a movement of the spirit of which I cannot limit to words. Our pilgrims were a perfect complement of our Maris family, represented by lay Maris in our association, schools and ministries, and Maris brothers. We Maris cherish our deep sense of belonging that our virtue of family spirit provides. It is the Maris way and served as a purposeful reminder that we are blessed by being part of a family that is so much greater than our own local context. Brother Michael Green reminded us that you learn to be Marist from other Marists. I would like to acknowledge and thank the powerful learnings that my fellow pilgrims imparted. The Marist pilgrimage allows for both our Christian and Marist story to become deeply tangible. The ultimate experience of encounter traveling home, first to the Holy Land, then Rome, and finally home again to La Hermitage. We visited countless sites that brought our Jesus, Catholic, and Mara's story to life. Each place offered its own authentic opportunity for us to connect with our own spiritual story 
we broke bread daily in the most sacred places, often afterwards asking each other, can you believe we just celebrated Mass there? More than once, we wiped away our tears. Was it the sacred place in which we gathered? The scripture and or homily spoken? The human touch of meeting shoulder to shoulder around the altar? The works of the Holy Spirit? Potentially, it was all the elements that caused us to cry. For me, the pilgrimage was 20 days of contemplation, prayer, theology, vulnerability, family, discovery, and letting go. This week, I spoke with a trusted Morris companion about my journey as a pilgrim. Whilst I recalled several memories with him, two significant sharings were exchanged. Firstly, one of my most moving experiences, 40 minutes of silent solitude in the Judean desert. The landscape was like nothing I had experienced before, but it was the knowing of the gospel significance that this land holds that connected me most to that moment. For 40 minutes I wrote in my prayer journal. I do not believe that I will ever experience prayer like that again. Second, Brother Michael Green is known for posing a good challenging question, prompting us Maris to often look beyond in the same way that Marcelin did. But one of his questions, for me, has been on repeat since asked. If Marcelin spoke or wrote to you, what would he say? The challenge for me since such questioning is trying to differentiate what I would want him to say or hope he would say, opposed to what he would in fact say. My companion listened attentively and gently towards the end of our conversation he said, You have experienced grace abundantly. God is inviting you to deepen your faith in the Morris way. His words were like a revelation, one that I needed to hear. His words perhaps being not too far from the truth that Marceline would speak to me. What from the rock number 60 reminds us, God chooses individual men and women and calls each of them by name. He leads them into the desert and there he speaks to their hearts. By his spirit, he transforms them, constantly leading them more deeply into his love in order to send them out on mission. The more we come to know God, the more we come to know the deepest meaning of our lives. We grow in the knowledge that we are part of God's project for the world. So, in closing my Maris family, may I sign off in the same tender way that Marceline so often did. I embrace you and leave you in the sacred hearts of Jesus and Mary. Hi, Mark O'Farrell here from the Maris Mission and Life Formation Team. And this is a report on the recent Marian lecture for the May edition of Christ Life. A Revolution of Tenderness. Marian Lecture 2023 with Dr. Mida Wolpe. On the evening of Tuesday, 16th of May, over 400 people gathered online and in small groups for the Marist Association of St. Marceline Champagne's annual Marian lecture titled A Revolution of Tenderness. The lecture was delivered by moral theologian and ethicist Dr. Mita Volpe. 
Dr. Volpe is Assistant Professor of Theology and Ethics from Durham University, England, and Director of Research at Wesley House, Cambridge. In her lecture, Dr. Volpe presented the challenges and joy of living a life full of tenderness, mercy, and hope, describing tenderness as a virtue that is an expression not only of love, but of courage. To be tender, we have to hope, and to hope, we have to know what story we are in. She encouraged participants as Catholic faith communities committed to the story of Jesus to examine the tenderness that is first nurtured in the family, saying, look to Pope Francis' encyclical Gaudium et Spes that invites us to reflect on tenderness as a family value, not just for our families, but for the whole human family to grow. The family is a kind of school of deeper humanity, but if it is to achieve the full flowering of its life and mission, it needs the kindly communion of minds and the joint deliberation of spouses, as well as the painstaking cooperation of parents in the education of their children. As a highly accomplished researcher and writer, Dr. Volpe brought contemporary theological themes into conversation with voices from the classical Christian tradition, saying, tenderness is love on a mission that ultimately reveals the bottomless mercy of God's love for us. She also acknowledged the vital role Catholic education has played in this country for 200 years and many staff who have lived their, lived their faith and tended to their students. Her closing message to participants was, live your faith with your students, live your faith. Daniel Lynch from the Marist Association of St. Marcelin Champagne Council thanked Dr. Volpe for her words. He extended the collective gratitude of all gathered for the way in which Mita invited everyone to journey into the theme of Marian tenderness as pilgrims in faith, seeking to embrace the revolution of tenderness with deeper wisdom. The lecture attracted people from Marist schools and ministries, as well as friends of Marist and invited guests in dioceses throughout Australia and overseas, including participants from Sri Lanka, Timor-Leste, Papua New Guinea, the Philippines and New Zealand. Good morning. I'm Brother Robert O'Connor, Bob O'Connor from the Morris Brothers community at Marcelton House, Randwick, in the eastern suburbs of Sydney. Formerly, I was part of the staff at the Hermitage Retreat and Spirituality Centre in Mittagong, New South Wales. This is the Miriam of Nazareth reflection from Christ's life for May 2023. In the early centuries of the church, even the desert fathers and mothers began to perceive and proclaim Miriam as something more than she was in her historical reality. She became a product of the imperial church that began 
with the conversion of the Emperor Constantine to Christianity in 312 BC at the Battle of Milvian Bridge, which is where he fought against the Western Emperor Maxentius to take his place on the throne. And when he was victorious in this battle, he credited the Christian God with his victory. So following the acceptance of the Adam and Eve sin myth from St. Augustine and others, other myths began slowly to emerge, all sparked by goodwill and a desire to enshrine Miriam's holiness as a divine gift. For example, one of the early fathers, Hippolytus, whose dates were 170 to 263 of the Christian era, wrote of Miriam, as the last of the prophets, and I quote, the Blessed Virgin, he said, who had longed for this too, conceived the word in her womb, for the Logos, born from all eternity, redeems the first formed Adam in the Virgin's womb. Now, looking at historical research from one of the great classics of Marian studies, a book called Mother of God, A History of the Virgin Mary, written by Mary Rubin, the professor of medieval and early modern history at the University of London, and she writes, the figure of Miriam, Mary, thus emerged through the interlocking efforts of emperors and monks, nuns and priests, and lay folk in communities and families. Tracing Miriam's history over 16 centuries is not a smooth enterprise. For the earlier centuries, we have few images and know little of the sound of the liturgy or the tenor of popular hymns. By the later Middle Ages and the Renaissance, there are images aplenty in both the Eastern Church, centred on Jerusalem, and the Western Church, centred on Rome though each of these were striving to portray something quite different. The Eastern Church trying to say something about who Mary was and the Western Church a bit preoccupied with what she might have looked like. There are also manuscripts as well as print carved and painted as well as music and song in tens of dialects and languages. So in all this, the simple faith-filled Hebrew village girl who sang her Hebrew sister Hannah's Song of Liberation, as seen in the first book of Samuel, is replaced by the imperial image of Queen, devoid of dust on her feet, hardworking hands and culturally appropriate clothing. Crowns appear on her cosmetically treated and scarfed head and beautifully pedicured feet and hands are the norm. So for many centuries, some would argue, we lost the real Miriam of Nazareth, but we are finding her once more in her faithful Hebrew context, unquote. Hi, Mark O'Farrell from the Maris Mission and Life Formation Team. And this is a reflection on our 2023 theme, Created and Called a revolution of love and tenderness for the May edition of Christ's Life. Travellers in Hope Many revolutions throughout history have begun with the cry of humanity for a better, more compassionate and loving world. 
On June 2, 1979, Pope John Paul II came to Victory Square in the heart of Warsaw and celebrated Mass in the presence of hundreds of thousands of people and the entire Polish Communist government. During his homily, the Pope spoke of God, of freedom, and of human rights, all topics frowned upon by the communist regime. As the Pope preached, the people began to chant, We want God. We want God. We want God. The Pope continued, and the chant went on, We want God. We want God. And did not stop for an astonishing 15 minutes. It is said that during this demonstration of the people's will, Pope John Paul turned toward the Polish government officials and gestured as if to say, do you hear? Political commentators of the time saw that communism, at least in Poland, was on the decline. In this moment with the Pope, the Polish people did not respond with counter-violence, but rather with a provocative gesture meant to draw the aggressor, the communist government, into a new spiritual consciousness. And certainly, in the case of John Paul and his Polish people, this move unleashed an extraordinary transformative energy. I think this is a very practical, modern example of the revolution of love and tenderness that only God can bring to our world, always working through people who are advocating for a world where hope resides in the hearts and minds of all people. When I first heard the Marist Association theme for this year, created and called A Revolution of Love and Tenderness, I was immediately drawn to the word revolution. Revolution denotes many things, but incidentally, as a Marist, it drew to mind the French Revolution of 1789. So what is it about revolution that links to our title, Created and Called? Simply, the notion of created and called is the very essence of who God created each of us to be and this life that we have been given by God, a creator, and what we are called to do with this great gift. Marcelin was one who was caught up in sharing this revolution of love in 19th century rural France, but he was not alone. Recently, to better understand this turbulent period of French history that Champagne found himself in, I've been reading the little book Travellers in Hope, written by one of the great Marist historians, Brother Frederick McMahon. I thoroughly recommend it to you if you can find it in your school library. The book tells the story of the Marist pioneers who founded the Society of Mary, Colon, Chavoine, Corvée, Periton, and of course, Marcelin Champagne. Each was a revolutionary in their own gentle way, 
extraordinary people who lived in a time of social upheaval, but rather than participate in the revolution of hate and aggression, decided to do a 180 degree turn for their communities and join the revolution of love and tenderness to rebuild the Catholic Church in France. Who knew what their project and work would grow into in time? What appeals to me more than the capacity to dream about a better future was their ability to help build it and help shape it. Each were builders of a new world order in post-revolutionary France, one that did not tear down, but instead that called people to invest their lives in believing there was something much bigger than themselves to belong to and share life in. They drew others to them in time to share in this vision, to build a Marian church, and to be merry for their time and place. As Marists, we are called today to do the same. We are called to be merry, thinking, judging, feeling, and acting as merry in all we do. The months of May and June are always special because they remind me of this bigger picture of God and creation to which I belong. They are months full of gratitude and celebration of the spiritual connection in my life. With Polish heritage on my mum's side, May takes me back to my childhood and the month dedicated to Mary and the Rosary. They are days long ago now with both my parents gone, but it blends memories of my mother and the special devotion she had for Mary that she learnt from her parents and passed to her five boys and now lives in me. I remember many rosaries around the table after dinner, holding our beads and praying the novena of Hail Marys. Mum and Dad helped teach us about the mysteries of Jesus and Mary's life, and though they are gone, their faith remains in me. Something bigger than this life. What a gift to celebrate. June is different in my house now because the focus is on birthday celebrations for my beautiful wife and gorgeous daughter and one very special feast day that continues to influence my life in new and interesting ways. Every year on June 6th, this revolutionary group called Marists of Champagne unites thousands across the globe recalling the life of one solitary person, a traveller in hope, who walked the foothills of southern France during a time of revolution and persecution for those professing faith in the church. On June 6th this year, I will join with hundreds at St Mary's Cathedral in Sydney to celebrate and give thanks for 100 years of Marist education at Marcelin College, Ranwick. It has been a century of guiding, shaping, and gently influencing hundreds and hundreds of young men's lives for the better. All, no doubt, with Mary closely watching over the work of St Marcelin's little brothers of Mary, whose mission first began 
200 years ago in a land far from Randwick. Let none of us take for granted the gifts we have been given by God. Our best response to God's creative invitation in this life, I believe, is the call to live every day to the full knowing we have done everything today to bring Christ's life to birth in our world. And in doing this work, we too participate in the revolution of love and tenderness that inspired the lives of Pope John Paul II, St. Marcelin, Father Colon, Jean Chavon, Francois Periton, Brother Francois, young John Byrne, Brother Ludovic, Brother Charles Howard, Brother Sean Salmon, Brother Henri Verges, and the long litany of Marist saints and holy men and women that followed them. Let us pray for them all and remember their witness this Champagne Day. Mary, our good mother, pray for us. St. Marcelin Champagne, pray for us. Hello, I'm Brother Michael Flanagan. I'm from Sydney and I live at Hunters Hill and work at Mascot and I'm a member of the uh, Marist Association. So I'm going to read a reflection that I wrote for the month of May on Mary for the Christ Life edition for May 2023. <clears throat> it's titled Mother, Teacher, Friend. A reflection on Mary for the month of May. There's an old Irish country song where the singer speaks of their mum as mother, teacher and friend. It's one of those soupy ballads for sure, but it has some truth in it. The first time I heard it, I felt that it summed up in a simple and unique way what Mary, the mother of Jesus, could mean to all of us. Take these two verses, for instance, and I quote, Nobody knows us better. Nobody cares for us the same. She's the woman that I can count on. She's my mother, my teacher, my friend. All through life, we've had our highs and our lows. When I get mine, there's only one place I can go. For her advice, help and inspiration, she's my shining light, my strength to carry on. End of quote. I'm sure we can see echoes of what our own mums meant to us in these lines. We imagine Mary loving us and relating to us in the same fashion. As mother. Maris the world over have adopted Marcelin's beautiful description of Mary as our good mother. It hardly needs explaining, as most of us would have a deep sense of what a good mother is and how crucial such a person is to every human being. Maris are named after her and would naturally value her as a mother on their journeys making Jesus known and loved. The amazing Therese of Lisieux spoke often of Mary as mother, 
Quote, in trial or difficulty, I have recourse to Mother Mary, whose glance alone is enough to dissipate every fear. She is more mother than queen. What a joy to remember that she is our mother, since she loves us and knows our weakness. And what have we to fear? End quote. Teresa's life was not just little flowers and sweetness all the time. She experienced years of struggle, darkness and doubt. She contracted TB and suffered greatly, dying young. She obviously found great comfort and strength in Mary, as did Champagne. Stories are told of young soldiers gravely wounded on the battlefield and calling for their mothers. In good times and bad, mothers are often the people we lean on and call for. <clears throat> As teacher, we all appreciate what a gift an exceptional teacher is. Such a person can have lasting and significant effects on our lives. In fact, everyone teaches something to someone else at some point in their lives. What about Mary as teacher? We learn from her by seeing how she lived and by listening to her words and actions. Do as he tells you in John 2 verse 5. She instructed the workers at Cana. No more powerful a direction needed for us in our efforts to follow him. In Luke 1, verse 38, she says, let it happen to me as you have said. Letting God work in us and through us. And in Luke 2, verse 48, your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Mary was probably angry and stressed when she said this to Jesus after he had been missing. But it's a reminder to us to ask ourselves how anxiously or seriously we search for the Lord in our own lives. Mary is only recorded as speaking on four occasions in the Bible, but she is reported in other places where her presence and attitude is emphasized. Staying with Jesus at the cross, wrapping him securely at the crib, pondering the disturbing words of Simeon and remaining with her son throughout his life as disciple as well as mother. To learn from Mary as teacher is to closely observe the pattern of her life and imitate it. As friend, this is such a beautiful word and concept which we often fail to appreciate. We've all sat with kids who through tears tell you they have no friends. Though often inaccurate, sometimes this is very true. It's a bad and sad place to be. To have friends is one of the most powerful needs of the human person. 
Unfortunately, Facebook has cheapened the notion of what friends are, but a true fair dinkum friend is a treasure, a gift, and an absolute necessity for every person. We don't need many friends, and we may only ever have a few really close friends, but we need some. So often people who have been married to each other for decades describe their partners as their best friends. <clears throat> what of Mary as friend? An old gospel song was titled, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Why not feel the same about Mary? Jesus called us his friends. Mary surely does also. She can be appreciated as someone who knows us well and still stays around. Someone who can share the deepest secrets of our souls and not reject us. Someone who will respond to us, not in a magical way, but in a respectful and disinterested fashion. Elizabeth Johnson, author of Truly Our Sister, uses friend to describe Mary's work in our lives, but also in a much wider context. And quote, <clears throat> remembering Mary as a friend of God and prophet in the communion of saints, a woman who is truly sister to our strivings, allows the power of her life to play in the religious consciousness of the church encouraging ever deeper relationship with the living God in whom our spirits rejoice and allying us with God's redemptive designs for the hungry, the lowly and all those who suffer, including in an unforgettable way, women with their children in situations of poverty, prejudice and violence. Unquote. I'm not a great fan of apparitions, others are, but recently I have watched and re-watched the latest movie about the apparitions of Mary at Fatima and the lives of the three children to whom she appeared. I found myself fascinated by the sheer drama and power of the story. What did Mary say? at Fatima that may be encouraging for us today. In reading accounts of what Mary said, I have gleaned these pearls. Please don't be afraid of me. I'm not going to hurt you. The grace of God will be with you and strengthen you. You must not be sad. I will be with you and will comfort you and lead you to God. Strengthening and encouraging words indeed from our mother, our teacher and our friend. Thank you. Hi, I'm Pat O'Reilly, the Director of Mission and Identity at Maris 180. And this is our article for Christ Life for May 2023. 
As a member of the Marist family, Marist 180 is committed to meeting and supporting other members of the family. Like any strong family, we are committed to creating time to get to know them, and they, in turn, Marist 180. In recent weeks, this family time has included presenting at the Marist Youth Ministry Sydney first Super Connect for 2023 on Wednesday, March 15. Students from across 10 Sydney Marist schools heard about the services and programs we offer and the importance of the ministry we engage in. Each school group then spent time reflecting on what they had heard and brainstormed together one way they felt they could respond through fundraising at a school level for Maris Noel, our annual campaign and commitment to purchasing a Christmas gift for every child and young person in our care. A visit from a group of Year 11 Red Bend Catholic College Forbes staff and students to Maris Ministries in Western Sydney, including visiting Daramu on April 13. As the young women and men from Forbes headed back over the Great Divide, they captured together some of their insights and reflections that flowed from their visit. These include, after visiting and learning about Maris Wainetti, we as students of Red Bend Catholic College now have a greater understanding of the services, their purposes, the people they serve, and how important it is to spread awareness of this life-changing work. Maris 180 has a variety of programs running that help marginalized people turn their lives around. We had the opportunity to attend an inspiring information session led by Matt from Maris 180. Throughout the session, we learned about how Maris 180 helps young people to find their feet and turn their life around 180 degrees. The Daramu program specifically assists young Aboriginal people in Western Sydney. It was a very eye-opening and valuable experience to learn from the staff directly. We learnt about people, their life experiences, and how Maris 180 is improving opportunities for young people in the area. The 12-week intensive support offered to young people may include support to find stable accommodation, health checks, education and training engagement, looking for employment and organising birth certificates, Medicare access and bank accounts. It was, it was a concern for us to hear about young people turning up to Daramu who didn't have a birth certificate or any form of identification, thus highlighting the importance and practical impact that the program is having on young Indigenous people in the area. Another key point we picked up on was the importance of culture and cultural identity and how the Daramu program is nurturing and supporting young Indigenous people to find their own cultural identity by connecting them and to culture on a deeper level. Hearing about these stories made us all very grateful for the family and life we have and inspired us to make Maris 180 more well known, especially back at our school. Now that we've been part of this immersion, we believe it is our responsibility to teach the young people of Red Bend about Maris 180 and its positive impact and inspire them to volunteer to help others. We believe we can make Maris 180 more well known in our community through fundraisers for Maris Noel, making presentations and information available to students and staff 
and encouraging others to discuss and become actively involved in supporting the program. We believe it is essential to know about Maraswanae as it is changing the lives of many families and young people. We have all been inspired to help and volunteer having learnt about Maris 180 and we are grateful for all those who made this immersion experience happen. At recent staff development and reflection days for the South Australian and Western Australian Maris schools on April 14 and 24 respectively. At both days, one of the facilitators common to both, Brother Tony Leon, shared with the staff assembled an overview of Maris 180, our Maris 180 impact video, and included a powerful quote from our CEO, Peter Monaghan. I work with a team who is courageous, persistent, and who is always there. They leave no one behind. To me, these are the, the examples of Mary. We have 500 Marys doing it day in and day out. And facilitation and presentation at the Year 12 retreat for Marist Zion College, Warrigal, on May 11. The day focused on First Nations voice and experience and the work of Marist 180. And students engaged and explored with great empathy, curiosity, reflection and respect. We are very appreciative of these opportunities to spend time and strengthen ties with, directly and indirectly, members of the Marist family, students and staff alike. 18th century Irish statesman, economist and philosopher Edmund Burke is attributed as observing, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good people to do nothing. We are encouraged to see hear and know members of our Marist 180 team and Marist family more broadly are actively addressing the concern of Burke, offered at a time roughly coinciding with the birth of our own saintly doer, St. Marcelin Champagne. My name is Malika Nation and I am the Communications and Engagement Officer here at Australian Maris Solidarity. Today, I would like to spotlight the Jatana Boys Hostel in India as part of our AMS Mid-Year Appeal. Currently, over 20% of India's 1.3 billion population live in poverty and less than 4 out of 10 children progress beyond 3 years of schooling. Chatana's Boys Hostel was established in 2010 and is currently home to more than 60 boys in grades 5 to 12 from the Sansal ethnic minority group, despairingly referred to as the untouchables. This social classification limits Sansal people from receiving an education or being able to secure employment opportunities. Without either, Sansal families are caught in an ongoing cycle of poverty, Programs like Chitana Boys Hostel are important to those they serve and their local communities, as students who attend the centre are often the first in their families to step into a classroom and receive an education. Anish, nine-year-old boy in his first year at Chitana Boys Hostel, has this to say. Before I went to the Chitana Boys Hostel, life was tough. I couldn't go to school because I lived far away and helped my family in the rice fields daily. Since meeting Brother Gigi and staying at the Chitana Boys Hostel, my life has changed. Brother has provided us with good food, electricity, and teachers to help us study. 
I'm the very first in my family to attend school and hope to continue at the hostel until I'm 17. I hope to attend university and become a teacher myself. For our mid-year appeal, AMS aims to raise $100,000 to continue our work funding education facilities like Chitana Boys Hostel in India to help transform the lives of young people in India. Funds raised from our generous supporters will transform the lives of young people in India, especially boys like Anish, who comes from the Sanfal community. Anish is from a large family and helps them with their rice farming. Due to illiteracy among Sanfal parents, many do not recognize the importance of education for their children, as they did not receive this opportunity when they were young. As such, children often miss out on primary education as they are needed to help with family farming practices, which helps keep the family afloat. This can sometimes extend to missing out on health services as well. Support provided will enable children like Anish to be the first in his generation to attend school. Many Santhal families can't afford to send their children to school, so donations can really help to make education a reality for these children. Donations made will enable AMS to support a range of education programs in our region. For example, sending 65 children to a school at Chatana Boys Hostel, helping them achieve their right to a life of dignity and hope. With your support, our program partners are able to provide accommodation, nutritious meals, and extracurricular activities such as sports and supervised study sessions. Tutoring in maths and English is also available for those who are preparing for school graduation. Your support means that young people can pursue a life of dignity and prospects. When you give to AMS, your donations support programs that transform the lives of vulnerable young people. See our website for more information regarding workplace giving, one-off and monthly donations, and leaving a legacy through wills and bequests. Uh, this is Brother Michael Flanagan um, speaking, and um, I'm the province archivist for the Morris Brothers, and I'm reading today the archives article for the Christ Life magazine edition for May. 2023. And the title of this article is An Immense Gift to the Morris Brothers, to the Church, and to many people. And the article deals with a brother who became a Vicar General of the Institute, Brother Quentin Duffy. The first part of the article deals with a page from the Maristian magazine of Bendigo College about 1934. It depicted Michael Duffy and John Gilligan, two students who had entered the junior aid at Mittagong. Michael's story will be told later, but John did not persevere at Mittagong and left within the year. His entry in the admissions register for the junior aid is brief, but too personable to be reported here. We can only assume that John followed his vocation as well as Michael did. It was just to be in a different way of life. Another boy is shown, Arthur Owens. Remarkably, he sailed for Rome's propaganda college to study for the priesthood at a very tender age. Father Arthur Edward Owens was the inaugural parish priest of St. Teresa's in Kennington, Bendigo, 
and became vicar general at one stage. He died in a car accident in 1967. Michael Duffy was born on the 17th of July, 1915. It was a time of war to be followed by the Great Depression, a difficult period for all. His primary schooling was with the Sisters of Mercy, Bendigo, and he then went to the Morris Brothers High School. He went to Mittagong for his junior eight and novitiate. After his first vows, there was a short period of training and practice teaching. Later, there were university studies in the evening, and he graduated in arts from the University of Sydney. He became superior and headmaster of the high school at Randwick at the age of 30. Then, six years later, he went to St Joseph's College, Hunters Hill, as headmaster. Although very young for these posts, he was much admired. He attended the second novitiate at St Quentin Falavier in 1955. And in 1958, he was appointed to lead the province of Sydney, the largest province in the Institute with more than 400 brothers. In quote, in addition to the complexities of such a large province, he was called on to assist in the reorganisation of the Catholic school system in the Archdiocese of Sydney at a critical time in its history, end quote. At the 1967 general chapter, he was elected as vicar general to the new superior general, Brother Basilio Rueda. Both were deeply spiritual men with different personalities and strengths, and they formed a powerful and dynamic team at the head of the Institute. Quentin served 18 years as Vicar General to Brother Basilio, who acknowledged the critical importance of Quentin's role during this period. In addition to his great love for the brothers and the Institute, Quentin was blessed with many gifts sure judgment, clarity of thought, impeccable discretion, great wisdom, and an extraordinary serenity in the midst of very complicated situations. In meetings, he was always very well informed, objective, direct, frank, and with a great respect for the truth. He was always ready to be of assistance to any brother, and nothing was ever a problem. There was always a ready smile, a gentle, dry sense of humour, and a very special wisdom. He was also of great assistance to some other congregations, advising them in complex situations, helping them with their constitutions, and facilitating chapters and meetings. He was an important member of EDUC, and International Reflection Group on Education, an advisor to the Vatican Congregation for Religious and a member of the Pontifical Commission for the Family. On returning to his own province, he cheerfully and humbly assumed some responsibilities at the Dundas Conference Centre, 
including that of guest master. His last years were spent at Ashgrove. Brother Quentin died aged 88 on November 2nd, 2003, and was buried in the Nudgee Catholic Cemetery. And quote, called to responsibilities, to challenges, to difficult situations. His response was always yes, a response born of a strong sense of faith, of trust in God, of belief in God's love. Thank you. Well, another amazing edition, made all the more engaging by the wonderful contributors reading their stories and reflections for us. I really hope you enjoyed this podcast. Blessings to you all. Have a great day and see you again. St. Marceline Champagne, pray for us. And may we always remember to pray for one another. Bye for now.